coming to you from a cozy little condo high atop old Fort Ward, Atlanta. Welcome, Welcome to The Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts. And a happy Monday to you. I uh, spent the weekend in New Orleans. I did a four-day weekend, and I thought, oh, I'm going to just chill out, hang with my friends, and recharge. You don't go to New Orleans and chill. Oh. I'm so tired. I already got a nap today, uh, but I'm ready to go. Ready to go. Right now, as I'm putting this show together, there is a sizable presence at Atlanta City Hall. City Council uh, is taking comments on the Atlanta Police Training Center to be built uh, in uh, southwest DeKalb County. Uh, I want to give you some of the tweets that we're seeing. I, I follow uh, ACPC Live. That is the uh, Atlanta Press Collective, the Atlanta Community Press Collective, and they kind of live tweet threads from just about anything that's going on. Uh, they started at about 2 o'clock, mentioning that City Hall packed with individuals lined up to speak against funding Cop City at public comment period today. Uh, from Sean McCaffrey and the Atlanta Community Press Collective, let me give you a, a little audio from the check-in at about 2 o'clock. We're at Atlanta City Hall, where there is a line all the way down to the first floor and up to the second floor for folks to sign up for public comment. This is by far the largest uh, crowd we've ever seen at a city council meeting, and we will be keeping you updated as the day goes on. They have overflow seating right here, and right here on the second floor, that's the entrance to the city council chambers. And then there's some chanting. comment signups are beginning or continuing right here at the entrance of city council chambers uh, everyone can sign up one name people can donate time uh, to other people who are signed up on the list if somebody wants more than two minutes to speak I mean this line incredible I and and I'm sure maybe they're 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 kind of doing a census to determine you know where these folks are from. Maybe I'm going to assume I don't know. Uh, anyway, as the Atlanta Press Collective continued to uh, tweet, they did have a live stream. I believe it's a video on demand. Um, once the meeting's over, which we'll we'll try and uh, grab some of that. The uh, Atlanta Community Press Collective actually retweeting from uh, an Atlanta native. Here you go, Alex Joseph, who is a uh, former federal prosecutor. She's a foster mom. She uh, works on the board for the National Alliance on Mental Illness. She's there, and she wanted to, by the way, thank Councilman, uh, Councilmember Liliana Bakhtari. She says, thank you, Liliana, for showing up and answering our questions in line. No one is being cut off. All right, I, I could sit here and, and, and follow Twitter <laughs> as this goes on. Unfortunately, because this is happening while I'm putting today's show together, I think that's going to have to be a lot of coverage for tomorrow's show, which is good because some days I wake up and I don't know what I'm going to cover. And tomorrow is one of those days I look at the schedule and I'm like, well, I don't know what we're going to cover. So tomorrow's covered. Yay, me. And well, and you. A story that I want to start with is very Atlanta-centric, very Fulton-based in nature, but can have statewide, and as we saw from the 2020 election cycle, 
even nationwide implications. And it's this. Mark Neese at the AJC reporting just six hours ago, Fulton Commission Chairman Rob Pitts, a Democrat, picked former Commissioner Lee Morris, a Republican, to lead the Fulton Election Board. That's right, the board responsible for certifying election results, setting the number of polling places, and deciding whether to allow voting on Sunday during early voting. Hmm. Lee Morris, a Republican, would oversee Fulton elections. Fulton, of course, includes almost all the city of Atlanta, and about 73% of its voters supported Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock last November and Democratic President Joe Biden back in 2020. Mark Neese continues to write, Morris' nomination comes as the state election board is considering an attempted state takeover of Fulton's elections board. A performance review recommended against that takeover in January. We covered that finding that the county had made improvements in operations and training since 2020. But the Republican majority on the state election board hasn't yet voted on whether to dismiss the matter. Neese writes, If appointed by the Fulton Commission during its Wednesday meeting, Morris would give Republicans, this is astounding, y'all, three out of five members on the board overseeing the Fulton County election enterprise. The Democratic and Republican parties each nominate two of the board's members. Dana Barrett, uh, and I'm right here with her. Dana Barrett is apoplectic. She says, we're opening ourselves up to the same nonsense we saw in 2020. Voter restrictions, underfunded elections, and if attempts to steal elections are going to happen, it's going to be in Fulton. It literally is putting our democracy at stake. Dana Barrett, by the way, beat... Lee Morris in the November election 2020. Uh, neither Morris nor Pitts returned messages seeking comments Monday. Current Board of Elections Chairwoman Kathy Willard, who is a Democrat, her two-year term expiring June 30th, also didn't respond to requests for comments. Morris, on his campaign website back in 2020, says that he said that he didn't believe the 2020 election was stolen from Donald Trump. He said, I'm proud to have the endorsements of many elected Democrats, including some of my fellow commissioners. He wrote that during the uh, 2020 campaign for Fulton Commission, by the way. He said, I have often stated that these county offices should be nonpartisan. Uh, as Mark Neese wraps the article, he says, it's unclear if Mars has enough votes on the Fulton Commission to be approved. Five of the commission's seven members are Democrats meaning Pitts would need one other Democrat to get a majority in support of Morris. How do I... There, there, there is, the, yeah, the, the poetic, it sounds all nice. Oh, yes, we should have these nonpartisan situations. These should be independent folks, independent-minded folks in charge uh, of overseeing. But we find a, a legit independent. I, I know, what do they say, like half the country... Registered voters consider themselves independents. You really believe that, though? I don't know. I mean, I th I think you you have a lot of independents that tend to lean uh, fiscally conservative, maybe a little more socially liberal, and then you have some that are just dyed in the wool conservatives who are just unabashedly ashamed of what the Republican Party has become of late. I mean, I can sit here and theorize about what independents actually are all day long. And the idea of something nonpartisan, yeah, sounds great. 
but we're not dealing with someone who is nonpartisan. The man ran and sat on a commission seat as a Republican. And should we be in, in an era where we already have, at the highest level of government, a 6-3 majority conservative Supreme Court in a nation that is very slightly, very slightly moderate liberal, as, what, seven of the last eight presidential popular votes would tell? Just barely, slightly moderate liberal. And yet we have a Supreme Court that is 6-3 conservative. Why should a county that votes 65-plus percent to the left have a 60% conservative election commission. And as we saw in 2020, as Dana Barrett, kudos to you. i got to get her on the show too, by the way. She's a former radio person like me. As she said, we're just asking, asking for a repeat of 2020. And actually, in this scenario, you're handing over the votes to the Republican Party. Can you trust that? I don't want to not trust Republicans. I have some that are friends, people that I know I can count on to, I don't know, watch my house when I'm gone, feed my pets maybe, you know. (laughs) But this is different. We saw the efforts that some of our friends and neighbors, some of folks that we respected, how crazed they got when it came to political power from 2015 to now. The links that some folks we used to respect went to to overturn the will of the people. Well, I mean, the presidential election, the will of the people doesn't always carry favor anyway, the way our elections are set up. But the links, we still don't know By the way, why in the cover of Darkness in Coffee County we had people looking at voting machines or election data? What what was up with that? We we still don't have answers from from the grand jury here in Fulton County. And we're going to put a majority Republican election commission over Fulton County? Eh, I'm not buying that. And I certainly hope the Fulton County Commission doesn't buy that either this is just begging for try this is literally given the keys to the hen house to the foxes no pun intended and by the way we have fox on the agenda a little bit later as well can't wait to dive into that i I just i can't not notice by the way that we have folks lining around the building at city hall to put a stop to something that Atlanta voters are overwhelmingly against. (laughs) And another public comment period is commencing where the overwhelming feedback coming from the people is against such a thing that's being forced down all of our throats, whether we like it or not. And now in Fulton County, Georgia, we're faced with having a 3-2 majority conservative election commission. I, I call to action, y'all. You got to show up at your Fulton County Commission meeting. And you got to let these commissioners know this is unacceptable. Sorry, it just is. It's unacceptable. I will share the link to uh, Mark Neese's article in the AJC so you can read along with me as uh, I, well, I pretty much gave you the entire thing. This is deeply 
concerning. And find me a conservative, find me a conservative jurisdiction of any mark in any part of this country where they would sit quietly and allow a majority liberal board to govern them. It would never happen. It would never. And Democrats, liberals, moderates, anyone left of center shouldn't have to accept it either. Sorry, going to draw the line here. I'm sure Mr. Morris is a nice guy. Maybe Commissioner Pitts has the right intentions. I'd love to hear what they are, but he didn't talk to the reporter when the reporter wanted to ask. Something, something smells fishy here. Okay, when we come back, Matt Gertz from Media Matters for America here to speak to us. Fox News is making that pitch to advertisers. You know, that, that new fiscal year is coming up, and so folks are starting to plan out their budgets, advertisers among them. And there's an opportunity for Fox to come after your money, too, when it comes to raising rates. We'll talk with him about those issues and more next on The Ron Show. Welcome back to The Ron Show for Monday. And Matt Gertz joins us from Media Matters for America, senior fellow at Media Matters. And Matt, explain to those of us, I've worked in the broadcast industry for 28 years before getting into real estate. And so folks may not know what upfront pitches are, but explain what Fox is doing at an upfront pitch as we speak. Sure. So uh, every year, uh, major uh, networks make their pitch to major advertisers and ad buyers. Uh, it's called the upfronts because they uh, use these presentations to sell their advertising upfront. Basically, they're trying to book the bulk of their ads for the next calendar year um, uh, based on these uh, presentations. They're trying to uh, make their pitch to the advertisers that uh, their network uh, should be an indispensable part of their marketing plan. Um, and they do so generally with uh, some pretty uh, high-powered events. They tend to uh, break out their biggest stars uh, and parade them before uh, the uh, assembled uh, ad buyers um, and, and basically do anything they can to uh, convince uh, ad buyers that they should be in the business of that network. Uh, Fox, of course, uh, is a uh, sort of big conglomerate of uh, different types of media, not only uh, Fox News, but Fox Broadcast as well, Fox Sports. Um, it's a, and, and so their pitch reflects uh, a little bit of all of that. Um, but Fox News is always kind of uh, the difficult uh, piece of that puzzle mm -hmm. because after all Fox News has a very big audience which advertisers generally like mm -hmm. uh, but they get that big audience uh, through uh, bigotry and propaganda and lies uh, which those advertisers generally do not want to be associated with. So when I worked in radio we had uh, clusters of stations in, in all the markets for the most part after uh, the, the telecom bill in the mid 90s kind of uh, deregulated the industry. And in a lot of cases, folks were by multiple stations based on the varying demographics that sort of, uh, it was kind of like a Venn diagram, I guess, that, that would hit their sweet spot. Do advertisers still do that? And do they do that for conglomerates like Fox with Fox Television, Fox Sports, Fox News, Fox Nation, et cetera, and so on? You know, th there's some like economies uh, of scale, of course, but I, generally speaking, uh, you're going to make a specific buy for uh putting advertisements on Fox News uh, directly and, and specifically for uh, 
having it on particular shows. Uh, and that's been the sticking point uh, for the last several years. Most advertisers in particular do not want to be on Fox's uh, most watched programs because it's, it's Fox primetime uh, and uh, those people are crazy. <laughs> And I was just going to ask you this: Has there been any sort of, uh, and, and you guys would know this better than anybody? Uh, we're 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 on with uh, Matt Gertz from Media Matters for America. They cover conservative media uh, with with high levels of scrutiny, as is re- as is required. Uh, has Fox Television, Fox Sports, even have they faced any repercussion from just association with Fox News? Less than you would think, unfortunately, and I, I hope. Uh, that uh, they are held account to account a little bit uh, more than they have been. Fox tends to uh, Fox uh, corporate tends to hide behind those other entities mm-hmm. uh, and tries to uh, rope them all together in a big package uh, to make it uh, more difficult uh, to single out Fox News's uh, particular brand of uh, of hate and and propaganda. Mm. Um, but it, it, it's uh, certainly a, a sticking point and, and one that we have tried to make uh, over the years. That if, if you are uh, buying advertisements on Fox Sports or Fox Broadcasting, you are also uh, putting money into the same pot. Yeah, essentially. Uh, so there's so much upheaval in the cable news industry right now. We really don't know what CNN is going to look like in the near future. We honestly don't know what Fox is going to look like in the near future now with Tucker gone and him going to Twitter. And and even at, at MSNBC, like I've noticed uh, of late, uh, well, we know Rachel Maddow gets one night a week now. Uh, there has been, uh, like Joe Scarborough has been showing up uh, on primetime a night or two each week. And so there has to be a lot of interest from advertisers as to what those three entities are going to look like in the near future. Are they getting answers at these sort of upfronts? Well, they're they're getting the sort of canned answers that Fox wants them uh, to get. I mean, historically, what they tend to say uh, is that there is a, a, a big firewall between their news side and their opinion side. And uh, the opinion side is, is simply basically like the editorial page of a newspaper, no different from that. And because of that, there's no reason why advertisers should be wary of associating themselves with the brand. I think this was uh, never really the case, but certainly uh, the Dominion lawsuit uh, that Fox settled for a, a record, record payment uh, earlier this year uh, really puts the kibosh on that argument because what that uh, lawsuit showed in, in the, the filings uh, of uh, text messages and emails from within uh, Fox is that the network's uh, biggest stars and their uh, uh, the executives that oversee them were well aware that Donald Trump's uh, claims about election fraud were false and they were pushing uh, those lies nonetheless. That is not the behavior of a responsible news organ. Uh, and it is, I think, why uh, advertisers should be uh, reticent about pledging their brands and, uh, to the Fox uh, network. Tell me you're watching Succession this season, by the way, on uh, whatever whatever <laughs> HBO is called now, HBO Max or Max. Tell me you're watching, because this is like ripped right from the headlines. Honestly, I, I do not. And for that very same reason, uh, <laughs> it is too close to work for me to watch. Yeah. Uh, the idea of a, a, a of 
doing that uh, in, in my my spare time is uh, would be uh, a little bit too much. Uh, yeah, I get it. Though uh, to be to be fair, I'm watching uh, Babylon Berlin these days, which is about the sort of fall of uh, the Weimar Republic into Nazism. So you know, it's it's also not exactly hmm. relaxing. But, yeah, that, that's uh, not exactly far off the job either. There is it. <laughs> <laughs> No, I get it. You're watching. You'd be watching a rerun essentially because, uh, as and I'm trying not to spoil or alert it for anybody that's you know watching Succession and maybe an episode or two behind. But they're sort of following that storyline with a storyline that's coming to bear now on Succession. I just thought it was pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, I mean, I I, uh, I have not watched it, uh, and so I, I cannot really speak to it. All right, that's, that's fine. Well, listen, there's a, another way Fox is uh, looking to make some money back, and it's not through advertising, but it's actually through folks like you and I who pay for like YouTube TV or if you get your cable from Comcast. Uh, and I want to talk to you a little bit about that. Got a hard break. We're going to come back in just a couple minutes. We're with Matt Gertz from Media Matters for America on The Ron Show. Stand by. Broadcasting five days a week to make common sense common again. This is The Ron Show on America One Radio. All right, welcome back and a happy Monday to you. It's the second half of the show. We're back with Matt Gertz from Media Matters for America. So, all right, we were talking about the upfront pitch, Fox News and all the other cable entities and even the network televisions. This is where you start to get some of those sizzle reels of the upcoming dramas and sitcoms from the major networks. And I don't know what Fox News is going to be rolling since they don't have the the Tucker slot anymore, but uh, maybe advertisers will start getting some answers. Will we get drips of information, do you think, from this sort of upfront? You know, they don't tend to really get uh, on the cable news side, especially they don't tend to give you a lot of new information. They can't really talk about uh, debuting a new show. And certainly right now with Tucker off the air and they're they're uh, trying to figure out what's going to go in that spot and, and trying out different hosts. Um, you know, they, they can speak more broadly about like their vision of, of what they're going to focus on over the next year. And that that's going to be the election that we're talking about uh, that, no doubt. Um, but uh, it, there's not there just can't be that many specifics because, you know, it, the uh, Fox is, is, is scripted to an extent and predictable, but uh, not not that predictable. So another thing that I think it's important to bring up, and we've talked about this a couple of times before on this show, is the fact that, you know, Fox News lost a lot of money in that Dominion, uh, you know, uh, voting court case. And there's another one that could even be bigger uh, as far as like shelling out some money goes um, in the near future. But I'm also a little concerned that you and I may wind up footing the bill for that. Yeah, it's it's a certainly something to consider. So uh, everyone should know uh, that if they have uh, cable or satellite TV, uh, that they are likely paying uh, for Fox News, whether they watch it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, that is is part of your bill every year uh, or every month. Uh, and uh, you know, Fox could have no advertisements whatsoever and still be extremely profitable just on the basis of uh, these cable uh, carriage uh, agreements that they have. Um, uh, The uh, way this works is they are able to demand much, much higher rates than MSNBC or CNN uh, does. They uh, get that on uh, to some extent on the basis of their uh, very high ratings mm. um, and also because they are willing to unleash uh, their 
viewers on uh, the cable uh, <laughs> networks what, that attempt to push back on those very high uh, premium payments. Um, and so, uh, you know, what we have here is, is a situation over the next uh, few months uh, in which Fox will be trying to renegotiate the, ingre- the agreements with some of their biggest cable carriers. Um, they're going to try to demand even more money and uh, their uh, profits uh, for the next several years are going to be very much based on whether they can make that work. Um, so these these are very crucial months for Fox News. Um, and uh, part of the reason I think uh, that the network should be quite nervous about its current state after uh getting rid of Tucker Carlson. Their ratings are down quite a bit, mm. uh, and that's going to make it much harder for them to have leverage in those negotiations. But Fox almost always wins in these negotiations. I mean, most most of the networks actually get a fee increase, do they not? I mean, do, I, have you ever heard of a network getting less than they were getting before? Uh, it is unusual, but I think these circumstances are unusual. The combination of the ratings dive uh, and the uh, Dominion lawsuit and various other, uh, you know, reporting that we've uh, seen showing that, that Fox is something quite different from a, a normal news outlet. And I, I think, uh, I hope, uh, the support of, uh, you know, the folks who are paying these uh, this ridiculous Fox fee. Uh, and would prefer not to. Uh, Media Matters has set up uh, a portal at nofoxfee.com that will uh, let folks uh, reach out to their uh, cable provider and let them know uh, that they do not want uh, this sort of, uh, to to be having these huge costs passed on to them. Um, and I think that is something if we can apply a little bit more pressure on the other side as Fox tries to uh, you know, deploy their viewers on these cable carriers, I think that'll be a bit of a help. We're with Matt Gertz, Senior Fellow at Media Matters for America. And it says here on the No Fox V page that DirecTV actually drew the line. How, remind me how that played out because I don't remember this. So the way this played out is that uh, they Fox wanted a huge increase from DirecTV. Mm. Um, and uh, Media Matters, through uh, this no Fox View portal, got a huge number of uh, DirecTV subscribers to say, no, we don't, we won't, uh, we won't stand for this. Mm. Um, and because of that pressure, uh, it was able to prevent Fox from getting the massive uh, jump that they were hoping for. So DirecTV didn't drop Fox, they just didn't pay Fox more money. Right. Are we headed to an era where we can say, I don't, I don't even want to see it on my grid and I don't, I I shouldn't have to pay for it at all. Or I should get a deduction from my bill. Are are we heading to something like that? I mean, I know in general, this is a very a la carte society now between Netflix and Hulu and this, that, and the other. Although when you add it all up, it's more than what we're paying for cable, but I'm, that's another matter for another day. Are we headed for a day when we might be able to say, I do not want to see Fox news or OANN or any Newsmax or any of the other right-wing entities on my grid? I shouldn't have to pay for that? Well, I, I think you have already hit on on the bit of the problem there. Bundles tend to be good deals. Mm. Uh, and if you move further down the road of a la carte pricing, what you end up with is uh, spending the same amount of money or more 
on uh, fewer channels than the ones that you pick, but at the same time, uh, less than you might otherwise uh, have uh, wanted. So it's, it's, a, it's a tricky proposition. Um, you know, we, something similar to what we've seen in newspaper publishing mm. uh, over the last uh, couple of decades, you know, as, uh, as uh, sports and weather and all the other types of information that used to be part of the newspaper bundle have been parceled out across the internet. Mm. Uh, the result has been uh, that fewer people want to uh, pay for the newspaper that had the whole bundle. And mm. the whole thing has kind of uh, collapsed uh, in part because of that. Yeah, uh, well, you know, when it wasn't all that long ago. Folks only subscribed to the Sunday paper because they wanted the coupons and not necessarily the news itself. Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot more to a newspaper than news uh, and as far as the business model goes. So on that note with... Fox seemingly in decline, although, you know, never count them out. Uh, OANN was basically banished to a lot of uh, the sidelines for, for the major carriers. Are there, are there other entities ready to step up and fill the void other than Tucker Carlson now on Twitter? Well, I mean, I think that's what we're going to be seeing over the next several months. The Tucker Carlson uh, firing really unleashed something on the right. You saw a lot of other sort of mid-level right-wing media figures go after Fox pretty hard over that because they know that it's an opportunity for them to rip away some of that Fox News audience. It's been fairly successful. You've seen uh, Newsmax see a big jump in their ratings. You've seen Fox News uh, take a, a dive. Um, I don't know whether it's having an impact in the, in the sort of streaming world, um, but there are lots of independent operatives, and, and Tucker Carlson will now be um, you know, the loudest one of those if this Twitter thing actually goes through. Um, I think what we're looking at is a much more fractured environment, one in which uh, this uh, wide range of right-wing media outlets and figures are all fighting with each other for market share mm. um, and driving the conversation pretty far into the gutter. I mean, it, it, the, a competitive marketplace for right-wing media is one in which the most despicable content wins. Uh, and that uh, is, is not um, not something that's going to create a lot of uh, uh, good good news for anyone. Yeah, well, the da the Daily Wire comes to mind right away. Mr. Mr. Yeah. Walsh is just a, a, a grade A douche nozzle, but and and that's mostly uh, an online presence. Absolutely, and, and and that I think is the sort of outlet that you could see picking up more market share. Uh, as Fox goes into a, a decline. Well, speaking of fighting for market share, uh, one last little uh, caveat I'd like to, to, to go down with you. Uh, we saw the Donald Trump town hall last week. Uh, Chris Lick and CNN seem to be wanting to fill that sensationalistic political void by uh, grappling on to this uh, open mic town hall scenario. What what do you make of all of that? And and we were just now learning, I think, over the last few days that even the audience was almost literally handpicked to be pro-Trump or friendly to Trump, not allowed to boo or anything like that. Yeah, I think what we're looking at here is uh, CNN moving in a very particular ideological direction uh, rather than really competing for 
uh, audience. What, the, what they're doing is exactly what uh, people like Chris Licht, the network president, uh, and John Malone, uh, one of the key figures on the uh, parent company's board, wants them to do, which is make a network that is uh, less uh, willing to throw elbows at uh, Donald Trump and Fox News and the like, and, and more uh, more like Fox News in its way. Um, you know, they are very happy with how this played out. Uh, they think that they did a great job. Uh, they're going to try to do it again. I mean, this just, to me, though, it looks exactly like what we saw from CNN in 2015 and 2016, a lot of promotion of uh, Donald Trump and his uh, and uh, lots of horse race coverage and uh, a basic unwillingness to grapple with uh, how dangerous uh, Donald Trump was. That didn't end well in 2016, um, and I don't think it'll end well again if they uh, go forward with it over the next uh, year or so. It, to me, I liken this to when the Democratic Party likes to run a moderate or a conservative candidate, and Republicans never, never come to warm to it. At the end of the day, your brand is your brand, and to MAGA Republicans, CNN is toxic. They're they're just not going to embrace. I I think anything shy of them being able to hire a Tucker Carlson away, and I believe his non compete keeps him from that. Anything shy of hiring a Tucker Carlson or saying, you know what, let's give this Bill O'Reilly guy a shot again, you know, something along those lines. Anything shy of that, the the, the subtle the subtle move is just not going to pay off for CNN because again, their brand is their brand to the MAGA Republican uh, audience. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, it's very much a no win scenario for them. Uh, there's just no way in which that network can possibly counteract the venom that's been spat at it by the right over the last several years. Those viewers are not coming their way. If anything, they think that Fox News uh, is too uh, anti-Republican, as yeah. you can imagine. Yeah. Uh, and so the, the, the idea that uh, this shift will uh, increase their ratings I, I think doesn't make any sense. And in fact, uh, the ratings have gone down quite a bit since uh, Lick took over and uh, started down this path. Uh, I, I grew up such a fan of Ted Turner as a kid because I just I just thought he I, I loved his brashness and I was a I'm an Atlanta guy I'm a Georgia guy huge Braves fan I just love Ted Turner and to see what his brainchild has become just saddens me so much. I also can't help but notice that. A lot of folks on the right, like I was watching a local punditry show on Sunday, and uh, the, the the conservative pundit called the, uh, the the lady that did the town hall a so-called journalist, and it, it was like watching CNN take in a rabid stray cat that decided to attack them for taking it in. This just doesn't seem to have paid off in any way for CNN, other than like just the one night of ratings. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's really quite a sad thing. And, and you're right about one night of ratings was all it was. By Thursday, all the energy had dissipated and they were back to their usual, uh, not very many people uh, watching. Matt Gert, Senior Fellow with Media Matters for America. I want to thank you for the time. Again, uh, that website you guys uh, are, are promoting to, to help people talk to their providers about the no Fox fee. And that site was, again... NoFoxV.com. All right. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Matt. Have yourself a great one. You too. Take care. Let me just say, philosophically speaking, by the way, 
having worked in the broadcast industry for nearly three decades, I'm not really a big fan of ratcheting folks up and grabbing pitchforks and heading to the gates. Because I lived through eras in the radio broadcast industry where if you were running, say, a pop station in a conservative market, a mostly white market, and you played too many rap songs, you'd have people complaining. If you played an out gay artist, folks might want to boycott you. One of the most popular artists right now, Kim Petras, is trans. And we all know that there's this penchant right now on the right for attacking the trans community. At what point in time do you then decide, okay, listen to the people? The difference is, on an AM or FM radio station, the advertisers paying the listeners are just enjoying the free broadcast. With Fox, we're all paying for it. And, oh, by the way, the lies have electoral consequences, political consequences. Never mind the downward spiral of political discourse in this country. Am I right? I think that began with Rush Limbaugh, personally, but that's just my opinion. Back after this. Welcome back. Final segment of The Ron Show for Monday. Mid-May. I mean, literally, the fit ain't the May. And it's finally starting to feel like it normally doesn't May around here. I mean, extremely hot over the weekend. I told you I went to New Orleans, and... Uh, yeah, 90 degrees. Whew. And then I come home, 90 degrees. Okay, so this is happening. It's a thing. Uh, something I didn't get to go over last month, being uh, Autism Awareness Month, uh, the month of April, was this cute little story where uh, several transit authorities, including the MTA in New York, part in San Francisco, the um, uh, Washington Mass uh, Transit folks in D.C., and here, Marta in Atlanta, they allowed some uh, autistic children to record announcements, rail announcements that you will hear in the stations. They were made by kids and young adults with autism spectrum disorder during the month of April. And uh, to give you an example, here's uh, here's how one of them sounds uh, in a nearby MARTA station now. For your safety, when traveling with a bicycle, scooter, stroller, or heavy luggage, avoid using the escalators. Also, Remember, sitting on escalators is not allowed. Safety first. I mean, how can you not like that, right? Oh my gosh. Uh, let's do one more of these. This is Brennan. Hi, my name is Brennan, and I love trains. Please check the floor before the door closes. Okay. Uh, can we do one more of those? Do I have... Uh, let's go with London. Help us keep Marta clean. Please do not leave her... Dispose of trash in bins. Oh, I love this. I could sit here and listen to these all day. Uh, let me get one more here. Here's Reagan. Hi, my name is Reagan. <laughs> I love trades and Disney. Help us keep matcha clean. Mm. Happy Month. <laughs> love that. Uh, I just, I, I, any opportunity to, you know, give young people an opportunity to, to put their fingerprint, or in this case, their voice, on something that is part of their community, I just think is amazing. Speaking of getting to put your fingerprint on the city of Atlanta, uh, the folks at Invest Atlanta are looking for input on what I think could be a linchpin project in downtown near the Five Points Marta station and underground Atlanta, which desperately needs some direction. The uh, two Peach Street building is a 44-story office tower. 
that used to be a bank building. They're going to take most, I think, 39 floors, and they're going to do mixed residential, mixed income residential on the upper 39 floors. But the bottom five floors, it's kind of like a blank canvas. Like they're looking for your input. They're asking for residents to give their input on how Two Peachtree can serve as a community hub, filling in gaps in downtown's revitalization efforts. Now, the city's on a, a bit of a brisk timeline, uh, as, as it was described, and it's going to be interesting to see how they take this fully enclosed glass 60s-era office building and turn it into family housing. But uh, Mayor Dickens is really pressing for this to come up with affordability factors, uh, below-market-rate prices, uh, unit sizes big enough to house families. The interesting part will be what happens on the first five floors. Knowing that you're going to have folks living above it who could be all manner of size of, you know, family. So you got to think on one of those first five floors, there's going to have to be something of a grocery store or a, a farmer's market, maybe something semi-permanent where, you know, how you have these these food halls where, where folks can rent out spaces, maybe something along those lines, a, a place to come in where where folks can come in and, and, and sell what they've gardened or flowers or farmers and vegetables, you know, fresh, healthier meat options. It'll be interesting to see what comes out of that. But your input is welcome from the folks at Invest Atlanta, who owns the building. I being a, a nearly 50-year-old man who grew up in the suburbs outside Augusta, Georgia, I'm excited by this sort of stuff because... This is the sort of project that can wipe away decades of stigmatization. I mean, I heard it last week. I was listening to, I told you I do this on time, from time to time. I tune in Eric Erickson to hear what he's talking about on uh, one of the local conservative talk stations. And he was, you know, just grousing and demonizing because he took, I guess, one of his daughters or his daughter to see Taylor Swift and complained about how uh, dirty Marta was and the homeless folks and yada, yada, yada. And, yeah, I mean, you've got an underfunded entity that was underfunded from the get-go, and homeless folks aren't born and raised and made in Atlanta. They wind up coming here from other parts of the state and other parts of the country, and they're the forgotten and the left behind because we don't have the sort of well-funded governmental agencies willing to or able to take care of these folks. So you're going to have these issues. But the decades of stigmatization... Uh, demonization of entities, let alone words like downtown, inner city, urban. Yeah, these are the sorts of projects that can undo that. And we're seeing it throughout Atlanta. We just don't see it in this particular part of downtown Atlanta. Centennial Yards is going to completely transform the area near Mercedes-Benz Stadium and State Farm Arena. And jobs, jobs and the ability to help those who are maybe not quite capable of fielding jobs yet, but need the assistance shouldn't be forgotten in these projects either. It'll just be fascinating to watch as uh, Two Peach Tree, Centennial Yards, the old AJC building are all converted and we get folks living in the city who aren't afraid to live and raise families in the city with projects like this. I'm going to share a link at uh, ronchoatl.com in today's show notes so that if you have ideas for two Peachtree Streets, first five floors, or just some section of one of those first five floors, you too can contribute, okay? All right. 
That's going to do it for the Ron Show today. I appreciate you listening. I want to thank Matt Gertz from Media Matters for America joining us to let us know about the Fox News upfront pitch to advertisers and the no Fox fee as well. I will see you tomorrow, 5 to 6 p.m. on the American One Radio app, AmericanOneRadio.com. Podcast links, RonShowATL.com.